Hello and welcome to On Resistance. We are a horizontal radio collective agitating the airwaves. I am Bobby London and I'll be loosely facilitating this show today. So <laughs> uh, let's do a check-in and see how everyone's been. Would it be like? This is a Shofuni and things have been uh, challenging to say the least. Trying to emotionally and mentally adapt to um, constant flux of our society as well as my own personal interactions inside the structure and looking for work and creating projects, you know, staying consistent and all of those things um, has been challenging, but I am handling it quite well. And I appreciate the transformation that's taking place. Hi, it's Jay. I've been all right. Today I had a challenging day, mildly upsetting day. I've been okay. I've been trying to get back into how to structure my life around scheduled work and also take time to really work on creating a strategy that I can be working towards personally, kind of Mm -hmm. like outlining a strategy that I can work towards. Yeah, I've been feeling a lot of the pressures of capitalism and trying to figure out how to navigate that and just daily grind, <laughs> which, you know, talking about all these things, it's a great segue to our topic, which is the social war. You know, just I feel like it's happening on all levels interpersonally in our energy towards relationships, towards relationships that are out of our control or less and less within our chosen environment structurally. How has your battles been? Battling is interesting because you have to figure out when you want to actually go into battle. Sometimes you have to just navigate and interact through the our structure um, or even social interactions, um, choosing not to go into you know, a battle um, socially because of someone's political or social ideas that is being produced to their behavior or the way in which they're speaking to you. So I've been taking much notice when I choose not to say things and when I do choose to say or speak up, I've been questioning, should I be speaking up more consistently? But the way in which I speak up, I think is really important. The way in which I like point out dynamics, I, I think I can do it in a way in which that is just stating like fact and there's no, my you know, not that my emotions need to be separate from it, but I can just be able to speak on what is incorrect about a behavior and not be, I guess, like angry or upset when I'm like expressing it. Cause sometimes what I'm trying to communicate is lost in me just being either too emotionally happy, too emotionally sad, too emotion like too e- extreme one way or another. So I'm trying to find that middle ground, that middle way of like my emotions um, when it comes up to interacting inside the social order. How about yourselves? I was thinking about this today, just how I feel like I'm too understanding, empathetic, forgiving. And I think this is like a trend in black women. I feel like it's at our own cost and how much boundaries are important and saying no is important. But I know that when I set boundaries or when I speak up for myself, then there's another battle created. So it's choosing, you know, Mm -hmm. when do I want to battle? Do I want to battle with this person? And so a lot of times, you know, I just end up providing myself empathy a lot because I don't do it. And it's really disempowering for oneself not to, you know, just directly speak truth to power or stand up for themselves. 
but it would also you'd be a very lonely person if you did <laughs> all the time so i laugh out of uncomfortability <laughs> that's, the truth. that's the truth you do find yourself secluded uh when you do speak up more consistently you're and if it's seclusion from your own design or seclusion because of the space in which I'm in, like the environment is not not empathetic, you know, mm-hmm. or caught in a like habitual behavior, like being racist or like sexist or like any of these isms, like being ableist, you do find yourself like by yourself, and and then you'd be okay with it sometimes, but but it goes against the I feel like the psychology of the human being, which is to be social, to be social creatures. So when I do seclude myself or not seclude myself, but when I feel I need to protect myself, that can be translated as seclusion. And when I choose to protect myself, am I actively going against something that's inherent in myself? And is that where like the challenge comes when I'm by myself? Because you need other human beings to bounce off thoughts. That's why we do the show together, right? Instead of just one of us just talking. I tried to make it horizontal <laughs> because it would be quite awkward to have a conversation just with yourself about, you know, your environment so seclusion inside of the social war is a real thing our protection i also think that we already have input on each other we already impact each other when we're in spaces however people participate is already influencing or triggering someone so it's like a clarifying of how we do that and intentionally doing that if something is contradicted then people might become defensive and then the contradiction is looked at as antagonistic, but really the structured tolerance of so many interpersonal behaviors is what's already normalized. So that's why I'm supportive of call-out culture, because it's not like we're not already influencing each other and saying things and affecting each other by the things we post and by the things we say to each other. It's only just a shift in that. And I think the hyper-focus on going back to social justice warriors, you can get a reputation, basically, it's already challenging, so then when you get a reputation for it or people react negatively to it, I'm just wondering like why there's so much backlash. I mean, I guess it makes sense that privilege would be defensive of its power. Something that's been really challenging for myself is when that label's p- placed on you, social warrior or social, you, know, you work in social justice or something, is how it like fetishizes the the actions of the, or the work in which you like put in toward just your own self-liberation or trying to um, affect the structures around us. And I think it facilitates this idea that only certain people can do this type of work, where it's like something that we all should be opting into, that we all should be talking about these things consistently in varying forms and in different intensities, of course. But we should be actively trying to engage in our environment to shape it and especially when oppressive dynamics become too much and they have to be talked about. I've been trying to reflect on how to make sure that you're not also perpetuating internalized oppressions or struggles, the way in which we like call out and the way in which we speak up. Bringing up just like why people have such a bad response to, I guess, just, you know, being called out. I feel you see it a lot on social media when people are called out then people get really defensive. Then it becomes sometimes like thread wars or, you know, you get different camps coming in to defend each other or go at each other. All because, you know, someone wanted to say, hey, this person's behavior was oppressive, didn't make me feel good, whatever. I I do feel like that kind of goes into like white culture 
because white culture I think is uncom has like uncomfortability with honesty mm -hmm. and just being mm -hmm. like straightforward mm -hmm. about things. And I feel like call it culture is just being real and just be like, hey, I'm gonna say this to your face, set it behind your back and let other people know that you're shady too. So that, you know, one, you don't continuing, you don't continue this behavior. And so that I don't just sit here and suffer with your abuse alone. And so I feel like it's a cultural thing. A cultural clash. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Trying to know the difference of the culture, the culture that is coming of our generation, opposed to like my specific family culture versus my uh, black culture. It's like really interesting trying to wait, you know, this is just the culture in which I come from, or this is like the culture in which is being created. Yeah, that just makes me, you know, think, it makes me think about that, you know, it's like, how do I, you know, recognizing where you come from, you know, basically what it is, like recognize where you come from. Like I come from like a family of just, no, I'm going to say this. Our culture is, hey, I'm going to speak on what it is that I feel at this moment. I've been thinking a lot about when it's like horizontalism. People say horizontalism. I kind of come from almost like horizontal back, like with like my brothers and sisters. We've always been like horizontal. And is that like new culture or is that just like black culture itself? Or is that just like native culture itself? And I think about it with so many different things. Call out culture, we're calling it call out culture. And our reality is, no, this is like the culture that is, has always been around. Like this is the culture that has always been, that has always been in existence, but mainstream America, mainstream culture is starting to like adapt to these ideas. And it was like someone mentioned to me after 2011, it's like uprisings and how like Occupy happened. And now people are just starting to talk about Black Lives Matter. And it's like, no, I've always cared about Black life. You know, like I've always been, my parents, like I was raised with this idea of you have to, my mom would leave Judge Mathis on just for him to get the ratings. She didn't watch the Judge Mathis. She actually, like, she didn't like the show. She don't like Judge shows sometimes. So she would leave it on because you had the support. So I've always was raised with this idea of caring about black life, but I feel like mainstream America is now like, oh, black lives matter. And you know, like that struggle's always been here. This culture has always been here. Now this culture is like starting to, like, especially the more you see black rise, you're going to see like black culture. And like people are gonna be like, oh, this is a new culture. And you're like, no. This has been here. We've been like flowing with it. And I think that's why I feel people feel more comfortable calling out black people than they do other races because black people normally don't care to show themselves of who they are and how we like speak is like how I'm like been thinking about the social war and affecting it and being a part of it. Yeah, I feel like social media just has like a huge influence on all of that and on the social war in general. And it's created, you know, a platform for young people, but specifically young black people to be able to speak and have their voices heard in which the gatekeepers of media kept them out. So I think a lot of the reason why people are like, oh, you know, now, you know, black people aren't taking anymore and they're speaking up or, you know, that are they, they woke. And it's like, no, now they have <laughs> platforms so they're not just saying it to each other. And you, you woke, you know, now you get to hear. I really feel like that's had a huge effect on call-out culture, on a, it, it puts everything on a, on a more macro scale, even though these things have been happening on a micro level throughout time. That's why I'm a firm believer in say what you feel, you don't speak it. For me, it's really important how I say things, just because of the, the social war, I have, there's so many different things, varying factors I have to take in of my own process of, of decolonizing or like depatriotizing and that process, but also then realizing of like how like society places certain labels on me anyway. I can't come off, you know, too angry or too this, too that. So I'm always figuring out how do I say exactly what I want to, because I'm going to say what I want, you know, but my challenge is like how I say it, 
that has been really interesting. I feel like in the social war, um, especially when like I feel like conflict like arises, I'm always in a constant state of conflict. That when conflict rises, that I, I think I respond. I think there's like a natural thing the way in which black people like respond in certain situations that becomes like really interesting to observe in myself. I'm just thinking about who named it Call It Culture, and was that like a defensive response to dynamics and power dynamics being challenged? And also I'm wondering how the breakdown changes when it escalates to a conflict. There is like a conflict, and then we perpetuate these dynamics that are part of this conflict, and then things can escalate to to yelling or to different dynamics when you're actually with that person. How does that change online and in person? In person, for me, it's more difficult. It's like a check-in, but like, how can we intentionalize a check-in, make it make it a space for emotions to be fully felt? Like, how do we cut through our everyday coping and dynamics to kind of create deliberately that space? And then the internet, kind of going back to some of the chat group conversation, it never turns off. Threads don't end. You know, there's a point where you're like, I'm hoping it's going to end here, (laughs) like, please. But it doesn't. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how it manifests. Both are very real spaces, lived spaces that affect our mental, emotional health. I feel like people say things online that they won't say to people on face. And I think that one part of it, I think there is comes from, like, the security of things, you know, like how you speak online than when you do in person. And I think that in general... I try my best not to just homogenize, but or not homogenize, but when I'm speaking, I don't know if it's just my own personal culture, once again, or if it's like actual black culture, or if it's like youth culture. But there's something culturally that's in me that I'm down to say what I want online, but also like I can say it in person, whereas I people don't know how to be that real. And it's not to say that I'm griller or anything like that. <laughs> You're the realist. You know, <laughs> I'm not trying to say I'm the realist, you know, <laughs> but it's really interesting. You know, it's just really interesting because it's if you're not going to say it in person, sometimes I feel like it doesn't help when you say it online, especially if these dynamics perpetuate themselves in person. Like I feel a lot of people call out racism on online, but when it happens in person, don't say anything. It's challenging. You know, I work in an all white space and people are aware of racist dynamics and gender dynamics, big time. It's all like cisgender white dudes that work at my job, white men. And, you know, they have every right to exist and do their thing, but, you know, it's like they perpetuate a lot of oppressive behavior and dynamics that they're not even aware. And then some of them who are aware of it that don't say anything. But I know they speak online. That's not really helping me too much. It helps affect people's ideas and views, Just you know, of course. But in person, it's like it would be great if more people spoke up against oppressive dynamics. And that's my challenge when it comes to the social work, because I want to speak up more in like those dynamics. But like, how do I do that without taking up space? How do I do that without making sure that I'm not perpetuating inherent privileges of being male? Also, I'm like, I'm black. And this country was raised off of making sure that I didn't speak or I didn't speak up or that I didn't own. Or... So it's like this weird thing of battling patriarchy, but also my black liberation. Like, how do you speak? without not perpetuating these things. And it's such an interesting process that I find myself in. I feel like people do it more online because there's lawyers, you know, there's like people, so they get cookies and, and it's seen. And it's like when you're actually doing it privately, there's no one there to witness that you're being the good, you know, ally. And I say that word jokingly. <laughs> and so, so I was going to ask a question. So how have you seen the social war, like in the streets, you know, in just your day-to-day life at work and your route? How have you felt the social war outside of maybe the bubble 
of social warriors. It's a good opportunity to combat the idea that it just happens on the internet or that it's... Because I feel like it's so dismissive, social justice warriors. The same thing as saying armchair activist or like it isn't happening at all times in all narratives. I guess for me, mostly just being aware of how I interact in public spaces, just having to be hyper aware of how I interact in public spaces. I feel like I have so many trust issues. I have a hard time meeting new people um, because in the next moment, they're doing or saying something that I just like can't imagine that happening. But I can, but it's like, that's happening. And then I, I also see it a lot in and just entitlement with whiteness and hierarchies and bosses. And also the people of color and women of color around me having to not just be in a space with this kind of authoritative white male figure at my job, but also take on the emotional work of dealing with his response to being called out and knowing that like, if I say anything to my boss, he's gonna put it on other people of color, other people that they work closely. That's affected how I respond to things in certain spaces because it's not just me causing cognitive dissonance in a power structure for this one person that clearly needs to have that power structure shaken up and needs to have their faith and their comfortability shaken, but it's that that ends up resulting in more work and more labor mm-hmm. for other people that they feel entitled to emotionally abuse mm-hmm. in the workplace or who knows, like at home, you know, white men, particularly white men in positions of power, structured hierarchy are... They're a handful. <laughs> daily, hourly. Yes. <laughs> Especially there, sometimes they're, they're naivete, how they have a privilege to not be aware of social dynamics so yeah them and power what was your question again um how do you see the social war in the streets at your work just Mm. the the daily not necessarily like your personal it's hard to like it's hard to not show or um, express whether it's like emotionally physically energetically or like there of it to show that there's something going on with me, especially when things are happening around the world or like happening in the country or happening in the city. I just don't care to mask it. And it's also really important for me not to. So I've been just trying to figure out how to do that in all the spaces I'm in and whether it's work spaces or interviewing and just completely not dumbing myself down or my social understanding not like breaking it down on a level or my spiritual understanding not breaking it down a level of just really being me unapologetically. And that's been like the... Thing I'm trying to focus on inside of these structures is I seriously I really I want to be free I want to be liberated in the way in which I interact with people and speak and, and I know part of it is this the internal aspects of how I'm seeing these things but then there's also the structural aspects of the way in which these things are acting with me the way in which people are speaking to me the way in which people are talking to me I can choose to see these things in a different light or in a different way but it doesn't change the fact that it's happening perpetually um, and having to always choose a, a a better perspective in every given situation. It becomes weird that's the responsibility of the environment when it comes up to the individual. You know, like I can take full responsibility, you know, be that change I want to see. I can be that. But this is, environment has to be affected. Something has to happen so that I don't have to continue to always having to change myself so I can feel more comfortable. Because sometimes I just want to be me. So that's been my challenge inside of going through these structures is how to be me or feeling comfortable with being me unapologetically. 
you know, still being the compassionate, loving dude that I am. It's interesting when, when I have to work in one of these, you know, all white offices for these high profile firms. And there was just either a black uprising that happened or like a shooting or something that happened. You can tell they feel uncomfortable to have the yes. black woman with the fro in the office. <laughs> and there's this level of fear. Like you can just feel the tension throughout no matter where, what space I'm in, I can feel the tension. I can feel the uncomfortability. Um, it's interesting because when I feel that, I'm like, I'm not going to weaken myself. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to like, you know, play with my fro and play with my hair. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, make you feel even more uncomfortable. And it's just the social war is continuous and it does not stop in, from seeing you know, certain flags on cars or seeing a skinhead walk by you in a grocery store and you're like, oh, whoa, like, what do you, you know, it's about to go down. Or just the way a white person bumps into you and you decide to push them back. That's why I feel like the summer is going to be hot. The tension is just there. And I think they want that. I do think that's what the organized white supremacists want. I think the organized white mm -hmm, supremacists mm -hmm. are armed and ready. And I think they're totally ready for the fight they're tired of waiting they're prepared they're completely prepared you know we're sitting here barely getting to the point where we can say property destruction is not you know violence and you know these people are ready for real violence yeah how do you y'all see the social war playing out this summer the city and the government structure really it's just hard to see that they're passing so many anti-poor laws while deadly policing is just going on rampantly unchecked there's really no threat to their power that's what they're telling me there's no threat to their power because they're just happy to pass law after law criminalizing more people so i do think that people are already frustrated and that more and more people hopefully do respond to police conflict and police presence in the streets but i was also thinking about how people responding in the streets or rioting is kind of glorified in like anarchist left type spaces, but it's always white uh -huh. anarchist response. And the imagery is always, which I think harms the movement so much because it's white over representation and it kind of takes any credibility actually from the movement because, you know, I don't know if white men riding in the streets is valid, you know? Um, like what is, what are they riding for? Other than social capital and movements and like how that's become kind of an entire kind of anti-capitalist market of its own. Um, so I'm just thinking about that, about how to support the credibility of maybe that's something we don't want or people don't want is credibility, but like how to actively counteract narratives that withhold legitimacy from direct street response to conditions that people experience. Every time there's an uprising, us specifically, we're always talking about pacification and like specifically looking out for marks of co-optation and tracking trends and cycles of, of how that happens. So that's the social war is people taking action for themselves and reimagining what power looks like <coughs> and practicing. I think that's important. I see it playing out in all spheres this summer. I feel like you're going to have a lot of battles and they're going to have street battles. Like they're going to happen. You're going to have people feeling in, who are empowering themselves by saying like, let's go outside, let's talk and let's go together, you know? And so I think we're going to have that level of 
the battle and then you're also going to have just the uh, social media battle you know people trying to really combat the narrative so you're going to have an i feel like you're going to have a lot of trying to combat the narrative of of like mainstream you know old money you know um, of power that has been structuralized and um has a, a force to like enact it so you're you're going to be like going against this narrative that's uh, we're going to be going against this narrative and like trying to combat it but also combating it i feel like in real life in our daily lives you know so if depending on the type of uprising if we're still working and people still having to have to go to work you know it's like battling there because people are going to talk about it i think the biggest thing is breaking the silence and that tension is when is the silence going to be breaking as like i feel when is someone going to say something you know and in this specific environment in this specific workplace in this specific you know organization and this like job like who's going to speak up to a point where you have people like actually speaking up but going to get retaliated against by this structure and know that people are going to lose their jobs and people are going to lose some of these ideas of security you know that's how i feel like it's going to go and i'm worried about not having the structure of supporting people it's the support that i'm really worrying about is like how we're going to support each person Say mentally, emotionally, say if your home, your house is secure, which it might not be, or that your job is secure, which it might not be. How we're going to support people like emotionally and mentally who's going through this and, and like watching this, you know, watching this unfold and everything being questioned inside of themselves. So I'm like, I'm really worried about, to be honest, the individuals. And then it goes into the structural idea of trying to give support, who's going to get that support from structure and who's not. This summer, I think is going to bring wildfires, but you know, things get burnt. Things get burnt and... And we're in a drought. <laughs> like literally and like socially, we're in a drought. And we don't have many ideas holding us to these things that were established generations ago by white supremacists, by white dominance and European dominance. So the fire, you know, I'm, I just don't want to get burnt, but I also don't want like, I don't want most people to get burnt who's already been being burnt, you know, who's already having challenges. So I'm you know, worried about the individual. It makes me think about how autonomous communities and still like making sure that we're working towards that is really important. And yeah, it reminds me of the idea of the hero, right? And like we talked about in um, our last show or last couple show um, and how quickly people are to heroize someone. And recently there was another person that got out of their car and grabbed a Confederate flag off a truck and all the, the headline the article was like, a hero did this. And I was like, why does this person have to be a hero? Why can't I just be like, someone did a direct action. This person did something. A black person. Yeah, a black person <laughs> was black yeah. and did something, you know? Yeah. And so it makes, it makes it so that we can continue the idea of the social justice warrior, you know, the activist, the protester, these people who do it while everyone else watches and they can, you know, provide support. I feel like what support is everyone and everyone doing it. Ending of the voyeurs, like the ending of the people who are who opt in and opt out and opt in and opt out. It needs to just be a constant and continuous and which is a lot to ask for people who have the option to be asked it for the people who have no choice, you know, because things are continuously getting escalated. And it's not just the cops, you know, it's just white people or just like white passing people, um, just murdering, killing black people. More people need to feel that fire under their feet. I, I think that the time of people thinking that 
them sharing the article is good enough, but then be quiet in other spaces needs to end. We need to end the reign of convenient activism and time for people to just go. We're either going to be like offense or defense. I'd rather be prepared than constantly, (laughs) constantly being attacked, you know? And like, what does that look like? I, I don't know, but we should at least start having a conversation I don't know. And then it's like there's the KKK rally that's going to happen in South Carolina. The Democrats meeting? And there's going to be a, a counter protest. You know, how are people going to approach that? Because that's, that's tricky because then you had the, like Marietta last summer, you know, and there are the clans are the cops. So those people who are going to be standing in between protecting the KKK, they want to get you arrested. They want you to be in jail. They want, you know what I mean? So it's like, how do we, how do we strategically resist this or fight this? I don't know. I really don't know. I appreciate how you said offense or defense. I would just rather be prepared, (laughs) you know, and for one, just recognize that there are more than just these two choices. I don't know if that was like even your attention, but Mm -hmm. it's like, it's more than these two choices, you know, be prepared encompasses so much more. And and specifically with the KKK rallies, yeah, it's you know, like I'm not walking up to no KKK rally. <laughs> it's just not happening. I'm not going there. And then, yes, I'll deal with that one KKK dude when, you know, you are walking around and wearing the same workspace, you know, and then I, you know. But I'm not going to no KKK rally. Um, Unless you go like Will Smith did in Bad Boys 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You know, especially if I got, you know, if I got some vests, maybe. But I'm not... <laughs> I'm not going there. And and this is why I mean, like, the battle's happening on so many different levels. It's just going to go beat up fascists is not showing your support and your... Someone can tell me that you went... Yeah, I went to the KKK rally and I was fighting and beating one of these KKK people up. And it's like, it does, to me, it does I don't care. To be honest, I don't care. I think that you don't you, you don't get a cookie for going there. Do people... Should people go there? People with the privilege to go. Yes. People with the privilege to go. Uh, if people want to go there, hey... If some of those white anarchists who want to like combat something go directly there and go fight your you know and go deal with your people you know that's how i think that people need to respond i think the way in which people respond is really different especially depending on oppression depending on like race depending on gender depending on class the way in which i interact and in combating is completely different than the way in which someone else may have to so i don't think that there is this uniform way in which we have to respond and that's the problem i feel like in like when it comes up to a social justice warrior or social justice spaces. It's like you're supposed to respond a certain way depending on how left or right you are. No, you know, I'm going to do what is best for my safety because it's also really important for me to stay alive. It's really important for me to stay alive because my people are being directly killed off this planet. So just my existence is resistance, you know? So I don't necessarily know how everyone needs to respond, but the KKK having a rally needs to be addressed though. Like it still needs to be addressed. It's like, why is that illegal? Why didn't the Supreme Court decide that, hey, actually, that's not a part of freedom of speech. That's actually hate. That's hate. Because the Supreme Court wears robes. Hmm. More Supreme, than just the black the one? Supreme yeah, Court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Supreme Court. There was that LAist article where it had a picture of the guy with the Confederate flag t-shirt. So when I've been thinking about how people are directly going to confront fascists and organized white supremacists, I feel like it will be in unorganized ways. I feel like it's not even going to be planned. Like, I think it's just going to be a reaction to you just... Saying hate. Yeah, like, you just have to say it. You know what I mean? Like, if if I'm going to see someone with a Confederate flag or, like, something like that, or, um, or if I see, you know, a white person who's just doing something racist, I'm going to say something, you know? So... 
it's so I think it's going to be that like people saying something and then stuff just popping off on a one-on-one individual level more than I I feel like that's a more safer way to do it maybe mm-hmm. than like necessarily going to where the clan <laughs> and the cops are going to be it'd be cool if people just had like a pro-black rally down the street or something like that even that's kind of uh, no no yeah. I take that back yeah don't, don't do that <laughs> <laughs> it's like black people though if it was all black people and black people had like an organized black power like, F the clan you know so many people feel entitled to our struggle that was, I don't understand why I can't be here you know yeah and then and then you break it down for them, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> break it down for you. <laughs> so much work. So much work. <laughs> yeah. Um. Another uh, thing I've been also thinking about is like I also think there's like a spiritual world that's happening that's just really the, isn't as like much like spoken on or talked about at all in social. When that label of like social justice warrior is thrown on you, it doesn't even encompass the overall spiritual battle that is happening consistently. I grew up watching X Men and like. Power Rangers and uh, supernatural shows. So sometimes there's this dichotomy of good and evil, right? And I feel like these good and evil forces or functions are always happening and interacting inside of like life, whether it be in my own interpersonal interactions in life and the environment or in my interactions with others and how we can either create value together or we can create destruction. Like I think those are comes from those same forces. So when it's just really interesting when I'm a feeling a certain way like mentally and empowered and emotionally empowered how something happens that gets mainstream attention about like something violent that happened to another black person how it affects me really quickly and then re-kinders me with having to re-empower myself i'm taking note of when that when that is happening of when and as well as when my people in my environment are empowered when that's happening and then something happens and then like it gets sucked away and then seeing how it just seems like this this constant battle of these like these like forces and that is happening and as well as inside of myself is perpetuating certain behaviors and traits there are some things i wish i wouldn't do and i think that's just human nature in general i don't want to do this or i can't help but do it sometimes because i'm cultivated inside of it it's this constant battle of like noticing of those forces and it's not even socially acceptable to even talk about, which is another thing I went to like break, even in workspaces. The experiences that I've shared in with y'all basically and, and other people has reinstigated kind of my openness towards spirituality. It's probably a different show entirely, but <laughs> it just makes me think of that because I remember when I first started talking about how collectivity and how direct intentional struggle and kind of like counter conflict, what that started doing to like the people around me, what that meant in terms of synchronicity, in terms of um, having alternative experiences and energies that I being aware of energy and that I couldn't really explain in like logical scientific terms although atheist friends that I had would um, (laughs) because that's how I'd previously identified would kind of tell me that sounds religious be just that's it like really dismissive like period that sounds religious not to say I might not I might have not reacted that way um, if someone was telling me but I know that some of the experiences that I've had have been really spiritual like how we debrief and how we heal after things and that is probably the only reason that I feel encouraged to continue because our environment is so toxic and terrible. That's social war, though, mm-hmm. every level. It is. That is the, the thing about, I think, ends up being the result of social war is solidarity that is built, you know, amongst each other. And, you know, 
the first night of uprisings, you know, and you look around and you see so many familiar faces of people who like maybe you don't even talk to, maybe you don't even know their name, but you know, you know that like if you stick around them, you know, you're you should be good, you know. And there's there is something spiritual, but like spiritual about that. And so, I, and I think that is that mm. is a threat to them, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're only building and getting stronger. There is a, a quote from a poem that I'm writing. One lion can take out a field of sheep. We are no longer cubs, so how can we be beat? A social war. Social war. Uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up the show? I always say that, I think I want to start ending the show. I think the one of the biggest problems in our society is people not respecting the inherent dignity of life, black life. Um, so when people start to really understand that, I think that's where we could start. That's where some things are going to like shift and change in our society. Res- you know, respecting and appreciating that inherent beauty of black life. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I want to give a special thanks to Nick, who's thank been you, hanging Nick. out with us. He's our sound editor. So if you've noticed that our shows have been a lot less choppy, you can thank him. Um, <laughs> Much appreciation. Thank you. Uh, you can check out all our past shows and the full hour of this show on our SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash on dash resistance. Hit us up on Twitter at on resistance LA. Email us at on resistance radio at gmail.com. Check out our Tumblr at on resistance radio.tumblr.com and see us on Facebook on on resistance. Google it. Yeah. Google it. Um, Solve the power, man. (laughs) See you next week, Friday at 730. Bye. Peace out.